Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 152. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning into the show. As always, I'm grateful that you're tuning in. Hey, before we start the interview, I want to spend a few minutes to talk about something that's brand new, something I've been working on behind the scenes that's very special to me. You know... I've been working with a handful of listeners behind the scenes who approached me directly on how to start and launch their own podcast. It's been a true pleasure helping these folks go from get off center and go from concept to creation. You know, I love helping these people because this podcast has completely transformed my own life. It hasn't made me financially free yet, but I've been completely blown away at the professional network that I've created in less than a year and a half. I mean, it has been the network of my dreams. I've become friends with so many of my interview guests. And these are my leadership heroes, people I never would imagine I would have become acquainted with. And this network I've created from this podcast has provided me multiple employment opportunities, powerful mentorships, speaking and coaching engagements, which was a goal of mine. And I'm I'm excited every day to talk and meet to all these people and and curious to see what doors are going to open up because of this podcast. And none of this would have been possible without this creation of Dose of Leadership and because of you out there. Well, because of the demand of of multiple listeners out there, and I do believe that there's no better time in the history to launch a podcast, anybody can do it. I mean, I'm doing it. I'm sitting here in the corner of my daughter's bedroom, and I reach over 145 different countries, almost a half a million downloads now. I decided to create a tutorial called The Podcast Roadmap, and it's a tutorial of over 25 videos that show you exactly how I went from idea to nothing to podcast launch in four weeks, how I became a top-ranked business podcast in iTunes, and again, how I achieved almost a half a million downloads now in over 145 different countries. And I did it all while maintaining, and still am, a full-time job in my family commitments of four daughters and being a husband. But before I release this product officially, I'd like to give you guys a sneak peek. I'd like to invite you to a Q&A. I'd like you to help me tweak the product even further. In this live webinar, free webinar, I'll show you my talk about my podcast journey and show you how you can launch your own podcast too, even with your full-time job and commitments. I'll talk about the critical mindset of confidence and courage that allows you to move off center and take action. I'll talk about four foundations of, of a successful podcast, and I'll even show you my tactics tactics of how I got high-profile guests and still do and have them say yes to the show, even if your show's not even created yet. So go to thepodcastroadmap.com. You can sign up for the webinar. And if you've ever been interested in launching your own podcast, I'd love to see you there. All right? So thanks for being patient with me and taking the time to listen about my new project. I'm excited, and I hope to see you there. So anyway, enjoy the interview, and I hope to see you at the podcast roadmap. Well, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. I'm so thrilled to have Bill Courtney on my show today. You probably recognize him from the 2012 Academy Award winning film, Undefeated, where he was highlighted as a coach, where he took a a group of unfocused uh, at-risk team at Manassas High School in Memphis, Tennessee, and turned them into a tight, highly motivated football team. And he's also an entrepreneur, where he's... um, Uh, owner of a thriving $45 million lumber company with 120 employees. Now he's become a highly sought-after speaker 
and consultant for the likes of Pepsi, Nike, FedEx, and more. And now he's got a brand new book out, Against the Grain, A Coach's Wisdom on Character, Faith, Family, and Love. What a thrill to have him on the show. Bill, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I, I was we were talking in the pre-interview that I when I saw the documentary when it came out, and um, I was like, God, I got to get this guy on the show. And I, this is over a year ago, and and didn't have much luck finding it. And I'm so glad the book came out, and now you're finally here. You know, when I first saw, and you know, I know the book is about this. When I uh, watched, uh, I knew the documentary was going to be great, and I didn't know much about it. I heard some buzz, but when you opened up saying that, you know, you think football builds character it does not it reveals character it really resonated with with me anyway and isn't that so true in in every aspect of life it really is all about character and how we get through the hard times yeah and honestly that's chapter one of against the grain yeah um, because I, I feel like i feel like character starts everything off and you're absolutely right uh, it's you know it's it's not you know, the, the fundamentals of commitment and integrity, understanding the dignity of hard work, understanding the scourge of being entitled, um, understanding forgiveness, understanding what it means to build a, a profound, lasting legacy, those things, all that are in the book, matter, uh, matter a lot. I think they're at the essence of, of what we have to get back to, but the first thing you have to understand is character. And I think character is often misused and misunderstood. I mean, you see a guy with a nice suit on who's maybe volunteering or involved in his church or his synagogue or, or whatever, and people will say in society, you know, that's a guy of high character. Well, just because you're doing a lot of good things, I don't I don't think that means you cross the threshold of demonstrating character. Right. And con- conversely, I mean... You, there's guys that are in jail right now that people would say are just low-character individuals, and I don't necessarily think that's going to be the, the end game for those people's lives either. I, I think character is about how you respond to difficulties, not what all that you do that's so good and right. And and I have people that work for me, and I have people in my life who have struggled for the better part of their lives, but... Um, the sun came up one day, and there was air in their lungs. They decided to, to to go against the grain of what their life had been, and, and change, and and respond to their difficulties. And that is what demonstrates character. And so, you know, when 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 you say football builds character or tough times build character, I just think that's wrong. I think I think you build your character on on all the tenets we just talked about, and then. When, when you play a game like football or when you lose a job or you have trouble in your marriage or your business is suffering because of difficulties in the economy, that's when all that you've built is revealed in the way that you respond to the, the adversities. And that's what I think defines character. Yeah, that's a great insight. And, and that gives us the opportunity when, we, when it's revealed to us, those are our moments that I think are gifts that are giving to us, that that's when we make the adjustments. Because you're right, when things are good, you really don't know who you really are. I mean, in a sense, right? It's how we get through the adversity is what is what shapes us and forms our legacy, I think. Uh, brother, anybody can be a champ yeah. when everything is so great. I can be the nicest guy to every one of my employees when we're making profits and things are rolling. I can be the, I can be the most gregarious coach in the world shaking hands and back slapping after we just won 20 points. I can be 
I can be the greatest dad in the world when all my kids' grades are right and they're doing the right things and my wife and I are getting along and everything's rosy. It, it doesn't take any character to be a great guy when all that stuff's going on. But what happens when your kid gets sick? What happens when your kid gets caught drinking a beer in high school and 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 the school's down on them? And what happens when you're, you're, you and your spouse have a disagreement? What happens when you lose your biggest customer and your business starts struggling? What happens when the team that you thought was pretty good is is one in three and boosters are yelling at you? What 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 happens when all that stuff when life hits you in the mouth? The way you respond to that is when you cross the threshold of demonstrating character or not. And so, if you you got to understand that first before you even get into integrity and perseverance and and the dignity of hard work and all of those things. Yeah. You know, and you certainly are a testament to what you've talked about. If you, when you read the book and you and you watch the documentary, and you get a great insight to your past. I mean, I'm curious to know. I think I know, but I'm I'm curious to see who, who were really the people or the person that made such a tremendous impact in your life that helped you kind of realize that uh, that that what you what you believe now. I, I think we're all kind of an accumulation of different sure. people and. And, and times and maybe stimuli in our lives. My, my mom, my dad left home when I was four. My mom was married and divorced five times. My mom's fourth husband shot at me down a hallway. Right. I had to dive out a window to, to survive that deal. And so, you know, there's been some adversity in my life coming up. But I had two really good grandfathers, and I had a handful of coaches that mattered and a couple of bosses and supervisors that were really good people. And so while I'm not like I'm not exactly like any of those people there's a little of, of me that is exactly like some of them and so as an accumulation of all those experiences and influences I think I think that's you know really who I am and where I come from but you know I don't think that makes me any different than anybody else sure. I think that's how we all kind of evolve into our mentality and our walk of life and how we handle ourselves and um, and and really, I think that's a, the way it should be because we get to pick the things we like the very most, or or maybe the most influential, inspirational things about the people that we like the very most, and then accumulate all of the best of the best we know and and try to live our lives in that regard. And and in large part, all of the things that are against the grain are are uh, a collection of tenets from that experience of growing up. You know, one of my favorite chapters in this book, the one, at least personally for me, was near the end when you talked about uh, chapter 13 when grace appears in a forgiving heart. I love the uh, story about uh, Grams, and I love, again, you revisit um, the story about Chavis in there. Talk to me a little bit about that chapter. I mean, I love how you introduced grace into really a leadership book, but uh, it really, we don't talk about it enough, I don't think. I love that chapter. No, I I don't think so, because... You know, we all screw up. Uh, Lord knows, I have you screwed up recently? I screw up. All yeah, time. I screw up and, every day. You know, I think <laughs> I think we all do. I think I think screwing up is something that every single one of us can identify with. I don't yeah. care if you're male, female, Republican, Democrat, Christian, Jewish, agnostic. Um, businessman, coach, whatever, black, white, green, who, every one of us screw up. And 
the thing that helps us get over that screw up the very most is the people that were affected by our screw up when they look at us and say, Hey man, I forgive you. It's all right. Let's just go from here. And the thing that gets that off of you is when you're able to go to the people who were affected by your screw up, whatever it is, and say, Man, I messed up. I, I wasn't right. I, I apologize. Will you forgive me? And can we just kind of fix it from here? And when and when that reconciliation takes place, um, oftentimes that's when the most amazing things can happen. And and the point is, it takes grace to forgive, and it takes being graceful to forgive. But it also takes. A, a self-appraisal and an honesty with yourself to ask for forgiveness. And so many times the things that don't get fixed are fester and become worse and worse are because someone's not honest with themselves and is unwilling to ask for forgiveness or you have someone hard-headed on the other other side that, that harbors ill will and resentment and won't forgive. And, and therefore, when you talk about leadership and you and you want to lead and get better, and you expect forgiveness when you mess up, what kind of hypocrite would you be if, right. if you're not willing to then grant forgiveness when you've been messed over? And and I just see so many situations in business and in politics, for gosh, it's in politics, and, and in relationships. You know, we've, we've got a 50% divorce rate in this country, and... I think I think in large part it's because we have forgotten how to have a honest self appraisal of where we've screwed up, and and an understanding of the importance of making amends. And then when you are unforgiving, you know the person you're hurting the most is not the person that you're not forgiving; it's yourself. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that when you're harbor ill will and anger and resentment, you're not going to be happy. So how is it happy? How is it possible to be happy when you're being unforgiving? And that's really kind of tearing you up on the inside more than it is the person that you're not forgiving. And so it's just as important to be forgiven, forgiving, as it is to ask for forgiveness. And so I think grace and forgiveness is an extremely important part of leaving anywhere. You know, it's so true, and it's so difficult to do. I think it is in, in, you know, we don't talk about it in leadership, but I think if you can, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, understand what you just said, I think that puts you, that that, that is one of the key elements that's missing in so many aspects of all of our lives, and particularly in business and in life, like you said. And I, for me, I think understanding that, as you put in the book, that grace isn't something that, that you possess. That's kind of the lesson you got from Graham, right? I mean, it's it's something that you you receive in spite of what you do, you know, in spite of what we've done. I mean, that... Yeah, you know, you don't love those around you. And I don't mean just your family. You don't care for those around you because of it. Right. You care for those around you in spite of And And when you when you finally get that and and you finally understand the, 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 the power of forgiveness and the power of, of being graceful, um... You know, your life changes. It, it really, really does. And the reason it's at the end of the book is because I'm trying to illustrate that character, commitment, perseverance, the dignity of hard work, all of those chapters leading up to that. What if you institute every one of those in your life, but then you're hard-headed and you won't be forgiving and you won't be forgiven? The 
really, at the end of the day, won't matter. Um, it's 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 where it is in the book on purpose because I'm hoping that the reader, once they get to that point, recognizes, you know, the stuff. I have to be this way if I'm actually going to lead, and and you don't have to be elected to lead. You don't have to be right. the head coach of a team to lead. You don't have to have a business to lead. You can lead the person you sleep with. You can lead those kids down the hallway you wake up every morning and have breakfast with. And you can't lead them without exemplifying grace every day in your life with them. Yeah, I love that you did put it in the back of the book. I mean, again, that's what, again, it was my um, favorite part of the book. And I think it's because in the uh, leadership sense, you don't see that a lot in, in books. And so I appreciate I appreciated that chapter. I, I appreciate you saying so. Something else that just uh, on that real quick is, you know, we've got a, a, around a forty percent approval rating of our of our administration of the White House. We've got about a fifteen percent approval rating of of Congress. And if you just think about it, how graceful are they to each other? Oh, I know. How civil? How civil are they to each other? And if if the if the if the greatest measure of a leader is by looking at the actions of those that he guides. In other words, the best way to measure a leader is just look at the actions of the people he's guiding. And and if you look at our divorce rate and you look at our educational system and, and you look at our approval of the job they're doing as a populace and you and you and you and you look at the fact that about forty percent of our, our populace require some type of government assistance to survive, and you look at the actions of what our society looks like right now, and look at the approval of the people in D.C., I think you'll find that a little civility, a little grace, and a little little compromise, and a little willingness to work together would go a whole long way. I agree with you, but I think, you know, what happens is the ego gets, you know, there's so much, I don't know, ego and insecurity, I don't know what is, or power, that's corrupting the the kind of common sense approach to everything. Um, I mean, a great example, even along those lines, and, and I mentioned uh, Chavis Daniels, it, which to me I think is the great story in Undefeated, and you mentioned him here in that last chapter too. I mean, you saw something in him, I think primarily because of, of whereas maybe other people didn't, because you understood where he came from, you know, with your father, you know, leaving you at an early age and not having your father around. I think that's what you saw in him, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, there was something there that you kept persevering with him. And, and what was it? I mean, why did you stick with Chavis? What was it that, that, that made um, made you kind of not give up on him where other people might have? Because he was hurt. He was yeah. a lost kid. You know, I mean, he's a, although he, you know, although he's 6'2", 225 pounds, looks like a grown man. He was just a 16-year-old kid when you were introduced to him and undefeated. And when when he didn't have to put on the macho ego bravado stuff, I mean, he'd, he'd wilt and he'd, he'd coach. I don't know why I lose my temper. I don't... You know, I mean, this guy spent 15 months in jail. And jail only taught him how to be a, a meaner, tougher, you know, more aggressive kid. And, and he would lose his temper and act out. And he had tons of sorrow and, and, and loss in his life. And if you would just look past what he would act out, you would see there was a human being there just dying to be left right. helped. And and if someone comes to you with a genuine um, 
regretfulness about their actions and a and a and a real request to to stick with me, coach. Help me get through this. I mean, how in the world, how in the world can I, as a grown man, expect forgiveness and then be unwilling to grant it to a fifteen-year-old kid who is lost and just looking for help and so that's why I stuck with it. It had nothing to do with football. Yep. It had everything to do with just a human being that, that was, was just looking for anybody to believe in him and for him looking for anybody, anything to believe in. And, you know, you, the, 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 that's a cool story, but the power of it is this. And this is what I'm talking about, how it works in lives. I mean, this is a kid who at 15, spent 15 months in jail, who was destined to be another one of the statistics, and he is now going to be graduating from Lane College in Jackson this year with a degree and going to be teaching and coaching. Right. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, everybody says, you know, how do we break these chains? How do we, how do we change all this stuff that's going on? And I'm telling you, you adhere to those tenets and against the grain and live them and walk them and yep. spread them, things change. Absolutely. Well, and I think, that, and that's why I brought it up because in that, in in going back to the scene of the movie and those who haven't seen it where kind of near the, the last uh, two thirds of the movie where Chavis gets up and kind of gives the, um, the special man award to um, the uncommon man award the uncommon yeah. man award and that moment of vulnerability where he stood up showed and this is what I think is so key and so important I mean it's a very poignant part in the movie but I think just on a, on a real human sense that vulnerability that Shava showed showed great strength and I wish more people would understand how much strength is in that vulnerability that he showed I mean just absolute um, 100% hard and steel strength in my opinion I don't know I just think that that's what I wish people could could, could understand about vulnerability I, I agree with you completely and in, in along the, the theme of of what we're talking about right now is that's what great leaders do. Yeah. Great leaders are willing to be vulnerable. Great leaders are willing to have strength in their humility. Great leaders will forgive. Great leaders will put others first. I mean, the greatest leaders of our time served first in order to lead. Then boss folks around. I mean, there's a huge difference in a manager and a leader. And, and, and this is a, a 16-year-old kid on a football team who is demonstrating the greatest qualities of what leadership is and has to offer in that instant. And that's also why he's, you know, talked about a little bit throughout the book um, because I, I find him to be um, an amazing example of, of leadership, but also an amazing example of maybe where you'll find leadership you wouldn't expect to ever find. Exactly, yeah. I also love how your message in the chapter in Fear and Fortitude, we talk about this a lot on the show and a lot of my the guests, I, I think um, understanding, and, and I'm quoting from your book, and, and people who listen to the show know that I talk about this a lot, but it's just the fear doesn't go away once you make it. Um, that was a when I first understood that, that's when things really started to turn around for me, at least personally, from a leadership perspective. Just understanding that you're always the fear never goes away; it never does. And and the idea of courage and fortitude isn't the absence of fear; it's kind of carrying through your convictions despite it. Talk to me a little bit about your kind of philosophy and fear and fortitude. Well, and and you're you're absolutely right. I, I mean, one, the greatest barrier to success is the fear to fail. 
Right. I mean, if you're so afraid of failure, if you're so afraid of what society's gonna deem you, if you if if whatever you attempt doesn't work, or if you if you're just afraid to fail so much that it that it prohibits you from ever starting your objectives, well, that's the worst thing in the world because there's no way you're gonna achieve anything if you don't at least try. And if you're too afraid to try, they're never gonna accomplish anything. So somehow you got to get over the fear of failure. But I don't think, I never have, and I don't think you can get past your fear. I don't think you can eliminate your fear of failure. I think you manage it. Yeah. And you can manage it by, by proper planning. You can manage it by by surrounding yourself with quality people that you know is going to be there for you and be an accountability group. You can, you can, you can manage it by understanding the obstacles in the way and making a step-by-step plan to continue to take care of those obstacles. And in doing that, what you find is how you persevere. And so, frankly, the management of the fear of failure becomes your perseverance in life. And there's just a difference in fortitude and perseverance. And a lot of people lock those two things together. The fortitude part is the is the courage and the strength to get over fear of failure. The perseverance part is the way that you handle that fear of failure. And so I try to make that distinction in the book because, you know, when we're talking about going against the grain, I think we need to go against the grain of conventional wisdom. I think we need to go against the grain of what people think and understanding the relationship but also the difference between fortitude and perseverance as it pertains to the fear of failure and your plan to handle that fear, I think is an important distinction. Well said. What What was the purpose of the book? Why Why now? Why the book release? Why are you so passionate <laughs> about it? <laughs> you know, that's funny because that's maybe, that may be one of the questions I get the most. And, you know, honestly, I have 120 employees. I have a 50-acre facility here now in Memphis with my domestic sales offices. I've got an office in Shanghai. I've got an office in Ho Chi Minh. I've got an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, a beautiful wife, and I coach football, and actually in baseball, and I'm pretty busy. Um, and people are like, you know, why now? And the truth is, after Undefeated won the Academy Award, I, I speak all over the country, uh, like you said in your opening, and every time I talk, people would come, and still, every time I continue to talk, people come up to me and say, do you have this stuff on tape? Do you have a book? And, you know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And I, I finally just kind of felt motivated to try to accumulate all of the things that I talk about into into one piece so that it could be shared and... Um, so that's what against the grain is. And, you know, I started this business off my couch in 2001 with 10 grand with nothing and have been incredibly blessed. Um, and you know, I I didn't write the book because I want to make a bunch of royalties. I I really, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about the 30,000 foot view is this. We can be an open-minded, inclusive, forward-thinking society without abandoning the core principles that got us here in the first place. And I look around society and our businesses and our politics and our family in in today's world, and it really scares me 
that we are starting to abandon some of the core principles. And I, and I, and I wonder what, what 50 years from now looks like if we don't go against the grain of what society is saying about some of this stuff. And, and you know, if we're the first generation to leave this place worse than we found it, we all need to be taken out behind the woodshed. Yeah. And I just don't want to be out behind the woodshed in about 30 years. So I wrote the book in hopes, not about money, in, in hopes that people would read it, identify with it, find just a few places in their life that these principles and tenets can make some sense, read the stories of the peoples in the book whose life kind of illustrates these tenets, and uh, and identify with them and maybe just make a few make a few adjustments or tweaks in their life to, to help their lives and the lives of the people around. Well, amen to all of that. And for sure, I mean, you're, the whole reason for this podcast, when, you know, it's, I want to bring on guests who are in the pursuit of the truth and common sense, and uh, you definitely fit that bill. And uh, I love what you're doing, and I'm, and I'm here to support that mission as much and as loudly as I can. So um, thank you for all that you're doing. What is the next? My last question for you is what, what are, you talked about dreams a lot in the book. What are your dreams now? What's next for Bill Courtney, and where do you want to take this 10 years from now? Well, I, I do enjoy the, the talks, and most of, you know, the vast majority of them are, are corporate, like PepsiCo and FedEx and stuff like that, and, and and I really enjoy that kind of stuff. So I expect that'll continue. Um, I just shot a pilot for a TV show. Um, I'm doing some other work, uh, kind of in the entertainment end of the world that that fits with the message um, that uh, that I think you'll see pretty soon. But I'm not really allowed to talk about specifically, but you'll see it pretty soon. And 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 most importantly, uh, continue to continue to struggle at being the very best husband I can to Lisa and the father I can to Maggie, Molly, Will, and Max. Run my business and and just do life. You know, I, I um, you know that that at the end of the day is is really what I'm intended to be and what 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 my what my number one job is. And then as it pertains to the rest of the stuff, as different opportunities that fit into the right type of things come up, I'll take them because I'm, I'm very passionate about um, us as a society um, realizing all that we have and, and all that we can and need to do to continue to, to make our lives better. Bill, I love what you're doing. Um, I'm glad to have finally met you and, and talk with you. I, like I said, I love what you're doing. The book is Against the Grain, um, a great read. It's going to be a go-to guide for me, and I encourage everybody out there to read it. How else can people get in touch with you, Bill? Do you got a website you, that people can get in touch with you with? All you got to do is go to CoachBillCourtney.com. You can follow me at I am Coach Bill on Twitter, um, and I I. I answer everybody on CoachBillCourtney.com. You got links to Amazon to buy the book, and uh, it's you know at your normal bookstores across the country. And it's only been out about three weeks. And I hope uh, I hope your listeners will grab a copy of it and read it, and reach out to me and tell me what they think, and tell friends to get it, and just kind of spread the word. Bill, thanks so much for coming on the show. Stay. I'll have links to all this on the post when I when, when I have it up on the website. And um, again, thanks for coming on the show. Hang on the line. Uh, I'll stop the recording. But, but uh, thanks for coming on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.